Hello and welcome back to the Hyperbaric Goats podcast. I'm, not, I'm going to start again. That was fucking doing all. Yes. What was that? <laughs> oh god, that was amazing. Yes. <laughs> you leave that in. <laughs> you better do the fucking intro this week. Clearly, I had to cut the glass at oh. the point. It's gone. It's gone to the end. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's try again. <laughs> you got to stop laughing, hang on. <laughs> it's like that fucking rhino. <laughs> oh, don't, don't bring him up again. <laughs> <laughs> right. <sighs> Sorry, I'm going to fucking laugh again. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be fucking game over already. <laughs> oh god uh, right <coughs> okay <laughs> fucking hell getting too old for this bloody word out <laughs> this could be a good podcast hello there and welcome back <laughs> Jesus Christ <laughs> I might just leave this in this will be the whole episode <laughs> I think you should probably put it at the end it's like a little extra bit yeah oh bloody hell <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing so much. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Hyperbaric Goat Podcast with myself, Red Roll, and with me once again is JT. Hello. It's taken you uh, four goes to record that, just to let people know. It has, yeah. My original intro um, didn't quite go according to plan. I've been laughing my head off for the last 10 minutes, so we are getting there eventually, though. Yeah, we are indeed, yeah. It's, um, it's, it's taken a while, but we're here professional as we are so obviously <laughs> once again we're back to take a look at some of the movies tv shows some of the music and the games that we played in 2020 to help us get through the slightly wonky year that it was and hopefully along the way you'll hear some things that you might want to check out yourself something that might have gone under the radar this uh week particularly i've got a couple of movies in lieu of a tv show Hopefully JT has something TV related to keep you up to date with. Well, yes, I do. Yeah, indeed. Um, so yeah, this, um, this, these are the things that kept us through 2020. And we all hoped that 2021 would be a better year. And five days in, we're in fucking lockdown again. But hey, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yeah, so um, there'll be even more stuff that we can catch up with watching. One thing... Indeed. I can't remember if I mentioned it last week, but at least one good thing about all this lockdown stuff is the reason I've managed to watch so many movies is because at least now when I finish work at five, I'm already home at five. I don't have to, you know, normally you'd finish work. By the time you're packed up, you said goodbye to a few colleagues and I'd meandered my way home. You know, that'd be pushing six o'clock. And then by the time I sort out dinner and that, like your evening just sort of vanishes, doesn't it? Whereas now I can kind of log off at five, quickly whip up some dinner and I've got an evening and time to watch a film, you know, a shorter film perhaps, not Lord of the Rings or anything, but it is quite beneficial in that regard. Yeah, indeed. Obviously, I can't watch Lord of the Rings, as discussed last week. If it goes over an hour and a half, I fall asleep. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, you're right, indeed. The the whole working from home and lockdown thing has certainly helped catch up on a, a few bits and pieces that we probably would have probably not even looked at maybe a couple of years ago. Absolutely. So speaking of movies that hit that kind of that sweet spot of being under the two hour mark, but closer to the kind of like one and a half, one forty, I do have a couple for you. Um, the first of which is called The Lighthouse. Now, this came out in the UK, at least in the 31st of January 2020. I ended up watching this because my fiance, Rachel, is a huge fan of William Dafoe. And this pretty much just stars him and Robert Patterson. It's a movie that's set in the ni- uh, 1890s. And it's about two lighthouse keepers that try to maintain their sanity while living on a remote and mysterious New England island. So it's just pretty much the movie is them 
although there are some fucking weird things that happen along the way. Um, <laughs> it's it's a bit of a tricky one. It's not a horror per se. It's very much a psychological dark thriller, but it does have horror elements. And the more unique part of this particular movie, it's shot in black and white, but it's also shot in the really old school square frame. So you could be watching it on like the biggest fucking, you know, sizzle dick TV that you can afford, but you're still only going to get the little box picture because it's shot in like a really old fashioned sort of like hand, not even like handy cam, but it's just the way it's shot is very retro. So it's quite a little different, isn't it? It is, yeah. And I thought I wasn't going to like it or would find it jarring. It's certainly one that I think the more artsy film people out there would enjoy. But for fans who do like the sort of psychological, like fucking mindfuck type of movie, because there's a bit where Robert Patterson ends up like shagging a mermaid and it's quite, doesn't leave much to the imagination with the practical effects. It's, it's funny and it's just weird at the same time. But yeah, it's a good uh, psychological thriller. Really, really great performance from Willem Dafoe, as you'd expect, because the guy is awesome. Yeah, he's very good. I do, I do like him. He's, he's, he plays quite strange roles, doesn't he? Quite in-depth characters normally. He does, yeah. And he's very, uh, he's, he's almost like a bit of a method actor. I think he like when he's on set, he's just pretty much in character all the time. He's quite intense. There's actually um, a scene in this movie where they did it all in one take, but it's where he's telling like a really intense story. And apparently he didn't blink for two minutes. He just did like the whole scene completely like looking demented because he's quite a hairy bloke in this. Um, <laughs> but yeah, definitely want to check out if you like, as I say, artsy pieces, maybe, but if you do like your psychological horrors, something a bit different to watch. So it's really intense. It'll keep you gripped from start to finish. It's an hour and 49 minutes long and it's rated 15. But yeah, definitely, uh, this is a good one to check out. It's got a 7.5 out of 10 rating on IMDb, so it's you know, not too shabby. No, it, I've never heard of it. Um, but I do like Willem Dafoe. He, um, do you remember that film I, I talked to you about a while ago, and I still haven't seen it, called Antichrist? Have you seen that yet? Uh, no, I, I do remember you telling me about it. That, that's, I, it. I mean, I've seen the, the intro to that, and it's proper fucking gnarly. Um and yeah, it's another film where I think he probably gets into the role. Something that I probably will check out. I've been meaning to watch it for years now. But yeah, he always plays quite deep, dark characters, doesn't he? Um, so this is whole, all in black and white, is it? The whole film? Yeah, the whole film shot in black and white. And as I say, it's kind of, I don't know what the actual, um, what the actual uh, measurements are, but it's shot like in like a square bracket, like the really old. You remember when you see movies and they're set back like the 1800s and all like the little picture shows they see, it's just like the screen is just a complete square. That's how it's kind of yeah. um, filmed. But yeah, the whole thing's black and white. It pretty much consists of this, just those two, apart from a few like hallucinations in The Mermaid. Um, and it's just those two just stuck on an island going insane. Um, but they, the two characters are so intense because they just don't seem to like each other. So... They're fucking with each other's heads and, they, you know, there's arguments, but then there's that kind of like drunken camaraderie. There's some really just gnarly scenes and the way it's shot and certain effects are just like, you know, it's just it's just very captivating. It's a very good film and I would recommend, you know, checking it out. Yeah, it definitely sounds interesting. Is that is it a Netflix film or, no, or where did you come across it? It's a proper film. I don't know where we watched it originally, actually. We might have, I don't know, because at the start of lockdown, a lot of movies like Underwater that I mentioned last um, last week that were all supposed to be in the cinema or just had quick runs in the cinema because of lockdown all just suddenly went on to streaming. And I just remember yeah. Rach stuck this on one night and I don't know if she rented it. Um, I assume she did off like Amazon or one of the streaming sites, but we watched it there. We've since bought it on Blu-ray. Um, I don't know if it's currently on Amazon or Netflix. It might be worth a look, but definitely keep an eye out for it. Yeah, it does sound interesting. And I, I was actually going to watch Underwater earlier, but I got sidetracked by something else. But um, yeah, this does sound uh, quite interesting. And you're, you're quite good at coming up with the uh, more obscure movies, aren't you? Whereas um, mine are a bit more mainstream because I don't really do the movie thing as we discussed last week. So, but yeah, this sounds interesting. And uh, I do like Willem Dafoe. He's fucking strange i mean from his days in platoon one of my favorite films of all time i've always liked him since that sort of that film 
Yeah, again, that so, platoon's one of Rachel's favourite movies. I have a bit of a love-hate relationship with that because I don't like the cinematography of it, but I pre- he's great in it. He plays Elias. But even looking at, like, um, back to, like, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Mans that Sam Raimi directed, like, him is the Green Goblin in that. was He didn't need a mask. His fucking face was scary enough. Some of the expressions <laughs> he pulled as Norman Osborn, you know, he's... he's And in American Psycho, he's just... He's a very good character actor and he does a nice, diverse range on his resume. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Yeah, he is. Um, he is very good. Um, so, I'll, I'll chip in with a movie now. Now, this is quite a mainstream movie because I don't, like I say, I don't watch many. So, one of the best films I watched last year. Now, I keep saying it's weird, isn't it? Saying twenty twenty is last year. I'm still getting used to this twenty twenty one business. Um, was the Joker. Uh, I, and I know it's a twenty nineteen film, but it did come out on Blu Ray in twenty twenty, which is where I picked it up. Um, and what a fucking film. I mean, it's so dark, isn't it? You've seen it as well. So, and I don't know, like last week I reviewed, or I didn't review, I talked about Birds of Prey, another DC film, but this is the other end of the scale, isn't it? This is totally fucking off the chart, dark. It's not a, a comic book hero film, is it at all? Some people might have picked it up. I'm sure they wouldn't have done and thought this is a superhero film. Definitely isn't. It's a very dark, kind of almost depressing film in a way, but it's so well done. I think Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker is is brilliant. Um, One thing I will say about the whole DC Joker situation, I mean, I'm not a big comic fan, as we've discussed, but DC and the Joker is all over the shop, isn't it? We've got so many different people playing the Joker in so many different films now. I mean, where where do they go? What what was your sort of opinion on that bread roll? Well, yeah, I um, again, I I watched like you. I didn't see it in the cinema. I watched the Joker when it came out on Blu-ray, and I'll give you a couple of my thoughts on it in a second. But yeah, with DC, because when you look at like I know DC have always been playing catch up. Um, they seem to be great when they do solo Batman movies, but anything that involves more than one character, they seem to kind of fall apart, in my opinion. I know you like Birds of Prey and Suicide Squad, and a lot of people do, but it's just, I don't think they can handle group movies as well as MCU. And that's not saying like the MCU are great. I think some of their movies are absolute dog shit, and their formula is so <laughs> stale and recycled. It just, the more you watch them, the more it's like, I've kind of seen all this before. Um, yeah, it's rinse and repeat, isn't it? It is, yeah. Really? Um, but yeah, in regards to the Joker, it's the same issue they've got with Batman at the moment. They seem to have like three people signed up to play. Like this year, they've got Robert Patterson, obviously making his debut as Batman. They're bringing back Ben Affleck, who I think was really good. Um, I know last week when you were talking about um, the Harley, what was it? Uh, Birds of Prey, wasn't it? And I sort yeah. of agreed that um, I'm not with your mate who doesn't like DC movies. I'll kind of amend that statement. I'm one of those people. I actually liked Man of Steel and I liked Batman versus Superman because they were different or tried to be different. They didn't stick to that regular formula. But at the moment, you've got like Ben Affleck coming back as Batman and they're also returning as Michael Keaton. It's the same with the Joker. You've got this bloody Jared Leto version, which I hate. Yeah, that was shit. I mean, I liked Suicide Squad, but he was shit. Yeah, it was just fucking terrible. This Joaquin Phoenix version, which in my opinion isn't the Joker um, or the Joker that we kind of know from the comics. I think the Joker movie is a very dark, very good film. And it's a very deep look into like male mental health, depression and issues that don't usually get reflected in movies. I don't see him as being, I don't see how this version of the Joker could go up against like a Ben Affleck Batman, if that makes sense, or a a whatever Rob Patterson's Batman is going to be like, time will tell on that one. But yeah, yeah, I totally agree. This was like a, a totally standalone film, wasn't it? It wasn't really part of the DC universe. I mean, there was no one else. We got a gradual introduction to Bruce Wayne through Thomas Wayne and stuff, but this really didn't explore the DC universe at all. It was pretty much, like, say, a man battling with his mental health and just a complete fucking nutbag at the end of the day. I mean, he kills his mum at one point, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, if the movie didn't carry the name Joker, it still would have been a great movie. It obviously wouldn't maybe have got as much press. It would have been one of those really deep, artsy films. It's just the fact that it carries a Joker that I think, you know, it got the publication and obviously the big reviews that it did. 
and it's a great film. I liked it. Um, and when I actually reviewed it earlier on in the year after I watched it on Blu-ray, I pretty much said the exact same thing. As a, if you're coming in as a fan of the Joker from the comic books, it, it's not what you're going to be looking for. I don't think. Um, in my opinion, the best on-screen Joker is still Jack Nicholson. Um, yeah, but totally agree. But if from an actual movie, like you say, as a standalone look, using that character and giving him some background that he doesn't normally have. It's, you know, it's really good. It's a very, very well shot movie. And I liked um, Robert De Niro sort of like reprising his kind of king of comedy type role. He was quite a good little touch for that movie as well. Yeah, he was very good. I mean, Phoenix won an Oscar for this. Um, and he's actually the second person to win an Oscar playing the Joker. Heath Ledger also won the Oscar. But as you say, I think Jack Nicholson, I, I love that. The Michael Keaton Batman, that's one of my favourite films. I actually went to the cinema to see that. I was quite young when it came out. And my mum had a massive crush on Michael Keaton as well at the time. Um, that's probably my favourite Batman and certainly my favourite Joker. Um, I, I thought the Dark Knight and all that were a little bit overrated, if I'm honest. Yeah, I, I actually... Not that they were bad films. But... I agree. I think what Nolan did with the Dark Knight movies, he made a really good effort of like you know if batman was real and he was a bit more grounded what would it look like and he kind of pulled that off in a world where it was only batman he didn't live in the same world where there's people like wonder woman superman and that lot it was just if batman was a real bloke how would it look but yeah um mm. the third movie in that trilogy i know people proper i know it pisses people off when i say this but it's one it's the weakest movie in the trilogy and i hate the cinematography it is shot really poorly um and it lets it down and I just think Christian Bale, he was good. I like Christian Bale as an actor, but the thing that annoys me the most is in The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises, the bat suit looks fucking terrible. It's almost laughable. Like, he just looks so ridiculous in that suit. And it just it's little things like that that I just think, you know, if you're going to try and be grounded, just sort of stay with what, you know, the first movie did so well. Um, but yeah, I do think, like you said, you know, the Dark Knight movies are overrated. They're good. And I think, you know, Tim... Uh, Tim Nolan is it Tim Nolan? Chris Nolan. Can't remember his name now. Chris Nolan. Chris Nolan um, is a great director, but I just think yeah, those movies aren't the be all and end all of what a Batman should be. Yeah, no, I agree. And I remember going to the cinema to see The Dark Knight, and everyone was raving about it. It was about a week or so after it came out, and I I left thinking, yeah, it's all right. I mean, as I've said before, I'm not a massive comic book fan, which is quite strange considering both movies I've talked about now have been comic book related. Um, but yeah, this this film, The Joker, just it's got nothing to do with comic books, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, like you say, this could have been a film about anyone, just happened to be the Joker. But I I really enjoyed. It's probably the wrong word. I did enjoy it, but it's not an enjoyable film. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's definitely it's it's heavy watching, but very very good and very gripping. I thought. Yeah, I think just the um. The things it touches on, you know, for certain people, you know, it's could be quite, you know, eye-opening or, you know, I was trying to think of the word I'm looking for really, but yeah, like the fact that it is about more about one man's kind of spiral, like losing his grip on his own mind, basically, and he kind of spirals into this dark, psychotic version of himself and like in the movie essentially becomes the Joker. But yeah, it, um, it's gripping and it's enjoyable, but not from the entertainment point of view. Like you, you wouldn't think of it as a popcorn movie, but it is very much worth watching. Yeah, it's also 122 minutes, so I'm quite proud of myself that I, I sat through it. <laughs> I didn't even know how long it was. I think that's a good mark because even if you watch a long film and you enjoy it, the time doesn't feel as long as it does. Um, so obviously, it was shot pretty well. Yeah, just one last thing before we move on. I, I watched this with uh, my girlfriend at the time. And um, it obviously builds up to the end, spoiler alert, where he shoots De Niro. And, um, you know, it was all building up to it and stuff, and I was ready for her to watch it. And she started fucking talking and talked through the whole fucking massive climax of the film, which really pissed me off. But that's that's another story. Oh, man. As Arnie said when he played Mr. Freeze, I hate when people talk during the movie. <laughs> it's just annoying when, you know, you're building up for it and you know what's going to happen. You're like, right, here we go, here we go. She just started flapping on about something completely different and missed the whole end of the film. But yeah, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> oh, um, no, great, um, great movie pick there, um, JT. No, really, really agree with that one. It was a cracking movie. Um, so I got one more for you. 
Now this one, you're it. probably going to laugh when I tell you who's in it, but the move. But bear with me. So, this movie stars Nicolas Cage. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah, he's done some good films. Yeah, yeah, and he's actually he's really good in this one because Nicolas Cage is one of those actors that when he's self-aware and he's kind of playing to his strengths. Granted, he hasn't got many, but when he's playing to them, <laughs> he's really good and he suits his film to a T. Now this one is called Color Out of Space. And it came out in the UK on the 28th of February last year. And it's a HP Lovecraft inspired, well, it's based on the um, story of the same name. And it's a secluded farm, basically a secluded farm is struck by a strange meteorite, which has apocalyptic consequences for the family living there. So this meteorite hits and it starts changing the world or like their land into like this really warped, bright color. And it's sort of warping the land but then it starts changing them as well. But they obviously don't know. They don't know it's the changes that's happening. Obviously, only the audience knows that. Now, I think this mm. movie's good for a couple of reasons. First of all, Lovecraft stuff is hard to do because cosmic horror is about what you can't see, and that's not always easy to portray well on screen. In this particular movie, Nicolas Cage's way of going from really kind of like basic, like, hi, I'm Nicolas Cage, to being like really <laughs> over the top, like crazy man works so well because as he's changing, but obviously he doesn't know, he goes from being that kind of like monotone version of himself that you see in some movies to like really wacky over the top and it just molds and moves along so, so well and he suits it. Yeah. Um, this is another one. You, you come out with these really obscure films, never heard of it. Uh, you're doing well with it. <laughs> it's, it's worth watching. It's a bit long. It's an hour and 51 minutes, this one, so you might get through it. Um, the reason <laughs> I think you'll like it personally, um, but also for the viewers, uh, listeners out there, the second act of, well, the second part of this movie, um, it's got a nice, good sort of slow burn build up at the start, and then it just really kind of kicks off. But it's some really awesome practical effects and pretty gory moments, and it reminds me of the thing. Because that movie was amazing for practical effects, and even to this day, like that bit where the bloody husky transforms into the thing, or you know, sort of appears to be morphing into it. Yeah, practical effects I absolutely love, and there's some really good ones in this. It does carry a few stereotypical tropes. You've got like the, you know, the generic angsty teenage daughter and the little geeky son in there. Um, the dialogue can be a little bit, standard. yeah, standard. The dialogue can be a little bit cheesy, but it's definitely worth watching again if you like. Obviously, if you're a fan of Lovecraft, then go for it straight away. But yeah, if you like your kind of your horror movies, but if you like them with an old school feel to them, uh, definitely, definitely check this one out. Yeah, that sounds interesting, actually. Obviously, The Thing, we've talked about on many occasions, one of the best films ever made, in my my opinion. Yeah. Not just for the effects, but the whole psychological thing as well that goes on with the film. Um, and... Nicholas Cage is always he's always entertaining, isn't he? Whatever he does, he is, yeah. let's be honest. Yeah, I don't doesn't always pull it off, but you get entertainment value with him. Well, no one can ever fault him for giving it a good try, can they? I mean, he really he goes all in with his movies. <laughs> he has done some good movies, like some old action movies, like Con Air and Face Off, a great popcorn action flicks. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, I mean, he has made some some great great movies. He did some weird again, another weird fucking horror film that. I can't remember what it's called. Mandy. Oh, fucking hell. Yeah, that's the one. Have you seen I that? I haven't seen it, but it's funny you should mention it because this movie is produced by the same people. And the director of Colour Out of Space, um, he, this is his first movie that he's directed in 25 years because the last movie he attempted to direct is a movie called The Island of Dr. Munro, which is heralded as being the, the most disastrous movie from a production aspect. <laughs> ever and I've never seen it but I've heard it shit it's got Marlon Brando made everything a nightmare on set Val Kilmer's in it so you know it's no point watching it really <laughs> but um yeah he directed three weeks of that movie before he got booted off set or he left set because the movie was going so shit and that movie was so bad it put him off directing for 25 years until he came and directed this one <laughs> fucking 25 years out of the game that's a, that's a long time yeah. isn't it but no, I want to see that Mandy movie. I, I've never been able to get hold of it, and it never appears on Amazon or Netflix. No, it doesn't. It was um, I had a free token for I think it was on Sky Movies a while ago that like they gave me a free uh, download, and I tried to download it, and it kept failing. It wouldn't download, so maybe it was 
fate that it's shit and it didn't want me to watch it. But yeah, Mandy's kind of always been in the background on my radar of a film to watch of his. Apparently it's pretty fucking full on. I remember watching the trailer and it got my attention straight away. And I remember actually the last time I looked for it, um, and I think it had just left, there's a, another streaming site. It's called Shudder. And it just does like all horror movies. Yeah. It has loads of old, like old school horrors. It does all like the proper B movies. It's got like shit like the Nostril Picker or Rubber or something on there as well. <laughs> <laughs> Nostril Picker. That's a great film. Maybe we should talk about that one day. If, if, if anyone has never heard of it, which I imagine is everyone who's <laughs> never heard of it, it's, well, it's just, it is exactly as bad as it sounds. It's fucking awful, but it's good at the same time. Google it and just look at what the front cover is. It's pretty much exactly what it says on the tin. Um, I think the whole film's on YouTube, if anyone wants to watch it. There you go. <laughs> if you're on furlough, there you go. That's a way to waste an hour and 20 of your life. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I looked on Shudder for Mandy. I might I might actually resubscribe, see if it's back on there. But that's, um, I think that's the last time around Halloween I looked for it. But I think it had just left. Yeah. Yeah, I, I need to watch that as well. We've sort of sidetracked ourselves with uh, another Nicolas Cage film, but yeah, Mandy, definitely. Maybe we should uh, try and watch it and maybe talk about it in a future episode. Yeah, definitely. Possibly. Yeah. yeah. Shall I um, so I hit you up with a TV, a TV show that I've uh, been... Uh, in fact, I've just watched season three, which dropped last weekend, which I didn't realise. It was a bit out of the blue. Um, it's on Netflix, and it's Cobra Kai. Ah. Um, not sure if it's something we've talked about before. We normally sort of talk off air via text or whatever about things we've been watching. Um, it's a bit of a weird one, actually, because I fucking hated The Karate Kid. When I was at school, it came out, and all my friends loved it. I was in primary school when it came out, and they were all in the playground doing their little karate moves and stuff and everything. And I was massively into Star Wars and like car chase films like Smoking the Bandit, Convoy, all that sort of stuff, uh, Cannibal Run. And I just thought it was fucking boring, Karate Kid. And I don't think, confession time, I don't think I've ever seen the whole film. I'm pretty sure I got bored and just turned it off halfway through. Um, so when this popped up, apparently it was originally first on uh, YouTube Premium. It was a YouTube program. Netflix didn't pick it up until last June when they whacked up the first two seasons. And one of the guys I was working with was like, you need to check out this Cobra Kai. It's fucking amazing. It's Karate Kid. And I was like, I don't like the Karate Kid. And he kept going on and on and on about it. And in the end, I thought, right, okay, I'll watch it. Um, And the first thing I was surprised, I thought it was going to be set in the 80s. I don't know why. I, I knew nothing about this. It's set in present time, 34 years after the first film came out. But it does have the original people in it, Johnny Lawrence and Daniel LaRusso. Um, now, Daniel LaRusso, played by Ralph Macchio, the original character, is doing really well these days. He's got his own car dealership. He's got shitloads of money. He's married. He's got a family. He's, he's, he's all right. But Johnny, he's a bit of a loser. He drinks beer for breakfast. He's just a fucking bit of an idiot. Like me, really, if I'm honest. <laughs> it reminds me of me, in a way. Um, but he decides to get back into karate and he sets up the uh, Cobra Kai dojo and sort of takes this kid called Miguel under his wing, really. He's got his own son, but he's, he doesn't see his own son. Um, so he takes this kid called Miguel under his wing and starts to train him up in the ways of karate. And I'm not a karate fan at all. Um, I, I, I'm not into it at all. But this just grabbed me. It's, it's more than karate. It's just very well done. There's... Johnny and uh, Daniel hate each other still from back in the day when they were fighting karate in school and they've still got that rivalry and they're totally polar opposites. Um, they've got kids and family and stuff and it, I just think it's a brilliant programme and it's, I don't know if you haven't seen it, have you? I don't think, Brad Ross? Uh, no, I haven't um, and I can pretty much mirror the reason I haven't watched it because I fucking hate the karate kid as well. Um, granted, I haven't seen it in years but again, when I was at school, I remember whenever it used to be on TV, all my mates would be like, oh, yeah, so it's Karate Kid. Same, they're all doing like the fucking crane kick and looking like a bunch of yeah. wallies on the playground and stuff. And I was like, 
I watch Arnie movies. I ain't watching this fucking. I've never really been into the whole. I was exactly the never same. been into the whole kung fu thing. Really, not that I have anything against martial arts. I just never found them entertaining for me personally in movies. Um, but yeah, but I'm just because, off the back the fact that I'm not a Karate Kid fan. I just haven't bothered watching this show. But I know loads of people are raving about it. The site I um I write for. I know a few of the guys in there. They they quite enjoy it. But where I've didn't like the movies. I just haven't bothered checking it out. Yeah, no, I, I was totally the same. And there are a few flashbacks to the movie, um, actual footage from the movie that's sort of intertwined into the story. But yeah, I I hated the Karate Kid as I've just said. But this is really good, and I'd totally recommend it. Um, one thing though, Will Smith is an executive producer, so, <laughs> and I know your love for Will Smith. Oh. Uh, there's no Margot Robbie in this, though, so don't worry. But he, um, he he's an executive producer. And I, when he popped up as, in the credits, I thought, is that the Will Smith? So I had to Google it, and it is the Will Smith. Um, but obviously, he's not in it, so don't worry. <laughs> that, that doesn't but, surprise me, because yeah, it's, it's very that, good. Didn't his son do a remake um, years ago? Yes. That's pretty why he's pretty involved yeah, he in did. that. Yeah, but um, I mean... There is a lot of karate in this, obviously. That's the backbone of the story. But you don't really have to be into karate. I mean, I'm not, as I've said. It's, it is it is integral to the story, but also you can kind of ignore it, if that makes sense. Um, and also, they're 22 to 40 minutes long, the episodes, so they're quite easy watching. I mean, I smashed out. Season three dropped last weekend. Totally surprised. Clicked on Netflix Saturday morning. I was like, shit. Season three of Cobra Kai, I didn't even know that was coming. Um, and I watched it all yesterday. I watched it all in a day, the whole of season three. So, I mean, you can smash these out pretty quickly. Um, season three, I have to say, I didn't think it was as good as the first two. It wasn't bad, but I, I enjoyed the first two more. Um, yeah, I highly recommend it. It's very good. And um, not a fan of The Karate Kid myself, as you aren't. But I definitely recommend giving it a go if you've got a spare five minutes. Yeah, I, I probably will. Um, as I say, especially like obviously you you coming um, along and saying it, but I know a few people that I do know do like it. Um, so I probably will check it out, especially if the episodes are short, because I've just I blasted through the final season of Vikings and I'm just about to finish Boardwalk Empire for the second time. So I will need something else to watch. Obviously, I need to finish off Ozark as well. But if that's only 20 minutes or so an episode, that'd be quite an easy one to watch while I'm eating dinner. Oh, yeah, easy. I mean, I think the first season in particular, the episodes are very short. They get a bit longer. But, yeah, half an hour average episode. So you can do two or three while you're sort of making them eating tea. Um, and it is, um, yeah, like I say, the karate is obviously integral to it. But it's there's a lot of sort of other things going on, different relationships and characters and stuff. Yeah, very good. Very good. I was pleasantly surprised by it, I have yeah. to say. Is... um. I can't remember who you mentioned actually, but the Mr. Miyagi, there's the actor, he's dead now, isn't he? Yeah, he's there's flashbacks to him, he's mentioned, and there's flashbacks and little bits from the original film where he's in it, but yeah, he's, he's not in it as a character as such. Oh, but the original, uh, what's his name, William Zabka and Ralph Macchio, the two original, Johnny Lawrence and Danny LaRusso, they're both both in it. Um, and both are really good, actually. Johnny Lawrence, particularly. William Zabka is an amazing character. He's a complete fucking technophobe and stuff as well. The way he sort of doesn't really know the modern world. There's a lot of 80s music in it and stuff and a bit of hair metal. So oh, you yeah. like that. So, yeah, be up your street, I reckon. I reckon you'll enjoy it. Oh, certainly check it out. Yeah, absolutely. So do you have any music to treat us to this week? <laughs> I do, yeah. I'm I'm trying to keep it musically to things that maybe people won't have heard of. We went for Columbia Meals last week. So an album that grabbed me this year was um, an album by an artist called Kelly Lee Owens. And the album's called Inner Song. And it's like a melodic techno album. It's sort of electronical music, sort of techno orientated with some sort of floaty vocals. She sort of comes in and out with some vocals. Also has um, a guest appearance by John Cale, who's a Welsh singer, who's fucking ancient these days. Um, and I mean, you know me, I'm I'm into my techno music. I DJ a little bit here and there, and I do like a bit of techno. Normally, the more heavier stuff, and this is quite 
melodic. Um, and I sent you a video earlier, didn't I, of a, a song of hers with um, Michael Sheen in a toaster, which <laughs> it's quite surreal, isn't it, that video? It is, yeah. When you sent it to me and you're like, oh, watch this if you get a chance. I'm like, yeah, go on. It's only six minutes long. And I was hooked. I was like, what, what the fuck's going on? I, I'll text you back. But anyone who wants to check out this video, it, it looks like it should be like part of an episode of Black Mirror <laughs> or something. I was just waiting for something really... It was trippy as hell, but I was just like, "There's something's going to happen here." <laughs> just Michael Sheen as well, just looking like a bloody homeless person. He does, yeah. The song's called "Corner of My Sky." It's the one with John Cale, actually. Who um, he sort of speaks rather than sings, and he, he does bits in Welsh as well, which makes it even more trippy. Um, yeah, I just thought this was it, it's reviewed really well. This album, um, everyone raved about it. And she was someone who I'd never really heard of before. This is her second album. Um, her first album, I think, was self-titled, came out a couple of years ago. And it sort of popped up on my Spotify, and I thought, yeah, I like a bit of techno, and I'll check it out. And it's it's one you definitely need to listen to with headphones because it's really sonically involved. There's a lot going on, but without headphones, you can't really get the sort of whole thing. Um yeah, I really like it. It's it's definitely different. Apparently, she wrote this album after the hardest three years of her life, whatever that means. I mean, there's some quite introspective lyrics in a couple of the songs, so she's obviously not going through a great time. It came out in August this year. It was delayed because of the pandemic. So if she's had the hardest three years of her life before the pandemic, fuck knows what she's going through now. Um, but yeah, it's it's um, it's different, and it's a very good album. No, yeah. very good. I, I liked what I heard so, from, you know, that song you sent me. It's probably some I could probably put that on. I don't know because of the sort of music that I listen to. I don't know if I could sit down and listen to it, but it's something I could probably have on while I was like cleaning the house or doing something. It's nice. It's got that kind of ambient feel, I think, from that song that you um yeah you sent me. But yeah, definitely, I liked what I heard, so I probably will give them a listen somewhere down the line. Yeah, it's um, like I say, it's an, it is an acquired taste because it's totally electronic. There's no proper and in inverted commas in instruments in it. It's all obviously done electronically. But people dismiss electronic music sometimes, saying it's easy, but it's actually very, very hard to write a good electronic song. Believe me, I've tried. Um, yeah, it's difficult, and it's very well put together. It's very well produced definitely one like i say that you probably need to have headphones on to get the most out of it but um yeah good kelly leo uh, kelly lee owens in a song check it out there we are i've actually got some music for you this week yeah Ooh, i know God. i know it's a it's a miracle um now i <laughs> i as you as you remember um i've come off social media a few months ago so it's got kind of fed up with it but i remember reading about this album coming out i think around february time and then I just completely forgot about it until it appeared on Spotify. Um, and it's a Marilyn Manson album, his new one, called We Are Chaos. And as you know, I'm a huge Marilyn Manson fan. Um, probably one of my favourite artists of all yeah. time. I think going back, when, like, when you're at school, you just kind of listen to what everyone's listening to. But when you get to that kind of early teenage year where you start to kind of explore your own interests, um, and sort of become your own person a bit more. Like he's one of the first artists I kind of gravitated to just because he was just so different and so vibrant in many ways and fucking strange as well. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, his, this is actually his 11th <laughs> album, his 11th studio album. And it came out on September the 11th um, called We Are Chaos. And it's a really, I was actually a bit trepidatious about this because the, the first song they released, or the title song, We Are Chaos, I listened to as a single, and I really didn't like it. But then the rest of the album is fantastic. It's just that one song I'm still not too keen on. But the rest of the album is absolutely yeah. really good treat to the um, the ears. It's a bit more mellow, because when he came back in about 2005, he did an album called The Pale Emperor, which he produced with a producer called Tyler Bate. And that kind of went a bit more kind of old school kind of like rock and roll Johnny Cash type vibe and it was a fantastic album but before that he'd done a few albums like High End of Low and Born Villain and I think he was just getting to that point of he was having a slump in his career because a lot of artists that are 
kind of make a career out of being controversial always end up running out of things to say and then they just kind of become a parody of themselves which is kind of like he was becoming at that time but he kind of yeah but he reinvented himself with the pale emperor and now this album's come along i think he did one in between called born villain if i remember correctly uh but yeah this album is really really good and an interesting bit of backstory to it this actually came about because when he was in when Manson was in Sons of Anarchy, he got um, put with a guy called Shooter Jennings and they were asked to write a song for the end of season six. And they wrote a song, but the, the studio and the people who made Sons of Anarchy, they had sort of creative differences and said it wasn't quite the direction they wanted to go. So the song eventually became a song called Come Join the Murder, which is fantastic, performed by the White Buffalo. Sons of Anarchy fans will know it. But then those two kept in touch and ended up collaborating and making this um, album together. So it's Marilyn Manson and a guy called Shooter Jennings. And it's just a really good album. It's got some, you know, good sort of rocky moments. It's a bit more mellow than his older stuff, although he does still go off on one occasionally. One of the standout songs, I'd say, is um, Halfway in One Step Forward. Definitely the standout track on the album. But for any Marilyn Manson fans out there, I'd definitely recommend checking this one out. Yeah, I, I didn't even know that had come out. I mean, normally on Spotify, I, I used to flick on the new releases every Friday morning and it would tell me what new stuff had come out. But this one didn't pop up at all. I didn't even know he was still making music, if I'm honest. I mean, he's not, I mean, what is he, in his 50s now? Yeah, I, guess, I think, he? yeah, he's got to be early 50s. Is he that old? Yeah, easily. Because he's been going for bloody ages, hasn't he, really? I mean, and it caused a lot of controversy yeah, yeah, in the yeah, early I mean, mid-90s in America, didn't he? Yeah, totally. And then he, he sort of not disappeared, but he sort of went under the radar a little bit, didn't he? And obviously, he was releasing albums, but wasn't quite as notorious as he was when he first started. Um, I know, obviously, I'm a big Alkaline Trio fan. I know Matt Skiba from Alkaline Trio is a big friend and fan of Manson. Um, but I didn't even see him. Normally, on his Instagram and stuff, he'll put stuff out about albums to check out, but didn't see him put anything up about it. So this sort of totally escaped me i didn't even know it was out not that i'm a massive manson fan but i wasn't even aware of this album yeah it, it just didn't seem to get like i mean i don't follow music um half as much as i used to like i say i remember seeing it sort of appear at the start of last year um on twitter and it's sort of being announced I was like, oh yeah i'll have to check that out and then i just completely forgot about it because there was nothing like there wasn't regular like updates or anything and then i came off social media and then one day it just kind of popped onto um spotify and said like, oh you know, albums out. Let's have a listen to it. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely a good album. It's quite impressed because uh, I was worried that he, you know, might have started to lose his edge a little bit more. But you know, he's still got it. If you're a fan, I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah, that's that's the thing you say about losing losing the edge and stuff. Bands and singers tend to, don't they? It's difficult to keep up that kind of like I don't know what the word is. The sort of vibe for so long isn't it I mean Alkaline Tree I mentioned earlier one of my favourite bands of all time possibly my favourite band of all time their last few albums have just been a bit flat if I'm honest I mean they've been going 20 something years now and you know they, they've kind of lost it a bit I think it's difficult sometimes they must just run out of things to say and I know some bands try and like they change styles a lot of rock bands do anyway like I know bands that we used to listen to back in the day like they had a good couple of first few albums then they like completely change and you can understand it from an artistic point of view, but they kind of just lose what they're all about. And I think it's got to be hard when you're an artist and, um, you know, whether you're a musician, whether you're an, an actor um, to kind of know when it's time to kind of call it a day when your best days are behind you, just like, you know, maybe I should just, yeah. you know, I've had my run, made my money, I've had my career. Maybe I should just stop before, like I said earlier, kind of like becoming a parody of yourself. Yeah, totally. I mean, you think when these groups, I mean, I'm going to use Alkaline Trio as an example, when they first started, they were in their early 20s, probably. They were heavily into drugs, single guys that were just fucking out for a party and whatever. And then you get married and stuff and things change. Don't you? you can't sing about the stuff you were singing about 20 years ago because your life's totally changed and you are, you know, a totally different person than when you first started. So it's difficult to sort of keep that going. Definitely. Uh, so, any so any gaming goodies from you this week, JT? 
<laughs> I do have a gaming goodie, actually. Excited. <laughs> yes. Now, <laughs> okay, this is something a bit left field, but also massive. I'm going to talk briefly, because I don't know a lot about it, about Among no, Us. I still haven't played that. I've um, got it on my Switch. I just yeah. haven't played it yet. Have you not? Well, see, I have to thank my daughter for this because she has my iPad when she stays with me. I give her my iPad to play on and she plays stupid things like Roblox and silly little games like that. And she she came up to me and said, can I download this? And I was like, what the hell is this among us? And I think I think it might be seven plus rated. It's not. I mean, she's seven. And I was like, OK. Um, so we downloaded it and she was playing it and stuff. And I sort of took a bit of interest and. I thought, what the fuck is this? Something grabbed me about it. It was just, I don't know, it's intriguing. Normally when she's playing stuff, I look at it and think, meh, and I just don't even bat an eyelid. But there was something about this that um, just made me a bit intrigued, and I still don't get it, I'm not going to lie. And I do play it with her. It launched in 2018 on iOS and Android, and it went under the radar, I think, and I think this is another game that Lockdown really helped um, it came out on the Switch, I think, December last year, and it's due on the Xbox this year. Um, but it was Twitch and people playing it on there and YouTube that really made it kick off. And as I say, I still don't really get it. It's an online multiplayer game where I'm sure you know you're either an, an imposter or a crewmate. If you're an imposter, you have to sabotage and kill someone. If you're a crewmate, you do tasks and stuff. And then when you find the murder, you report the body, you discuss it with the other crewmates, and you try and work out who the imposter is. That's pretty much the premise of the game. I mean, it's fucking simple. The graphics are awful, but funny, and it works. And I I don't really know why it's taken off so well. I mean, I I don't know. You're more of a gamer than me. You might know a bit more background on it than I do. Um, But it's massive, absolutely massive. Apparently, they've... um, They've cancelled the sequel. Um, they're going to put all the money that they had going into the sequel into updating the originals. It's got so popular. They're just going to make the original better. They're not even going to make a sequel. But, yeah, I like I say, I play it with my daughter. She, When she comes here, she, she obsesses with it. And let's play Among Us, Daddy. Let's play it. So I have it on my phone. She has it on the tablet. And we play with each other. Don't really understand what I'm doing. But there's something about it. It just intrigues me so what's your opinions what's your thoughts and what do you know about well, it um, as i say i've i've got it because it came out on switch in december and i've like through probably the last quarter of last year i had texts coming in every now and then from different friends going oh have you played among us it's on mobile you should check it out and i sort of like, had a look into it and yeah like you say it's kind of like a indie cluedo isn't it you know like I'm, someone's obviously trying i think yeah after every, when you report a murder, you all get together and I think you can chat or you can vote who you think the killer is so people will be killed off. Yeah, you, you discuss, yeah, you discuss about, you know, who you think it was and where you found the body and stuff. Um, and if you are the imposter, obviously you try and throw people off by saying, oh, I think it was someone else or, you know, you try and divert the, the trail to someone else yeah it's, 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 you know, i, I so, want to play yeah, it, it um it, i just haven't got around to it yet but um i know like it's very very popular and i think it's one of those games i'm as much i love gaming as you know um i've never really gotten into mobile gaming though i know some mobile games have come along and been really good over the last couple of years and sort of started to have that potential and i think a game like this can pick up from what i know about it it's easy as piss to play so just having it in the palm of your hand and flicking your thumb across the screen and, you know, tapping button, I think it's this person. It's one of those games that you can play anywhere. It's simple to load up. I imagine the games are quite short. So I'd imagine, like you say, lockdown has really helped something like yeah. this because people can just play, you know, sat on the bog if nothing else or when you're relaxing in the bath, making dinner, you can load it up, have a quick game. I will fire it up and play it, but I've got an addictive personality, so I'll probably become obsessed with it if I start playing it. <laughs> yeah it's um it, it is like you say it's very pick up and play you can play it for five minutes you can play it for five hours it depends you know the games are quite short i still don't really understand how it all works because there's times where me and my daughter are both crewmates and she's like oh we've won i'm like how have we won i don't understand <laughs> you know and 
the little tasks you have to do are pretty pointless. You run around and you have to swipe a card on one of the things and you have to do, join some leads together and stuff. It's, I don't know, it's, it's a strange game. It's sort of strangely addictive. I don't really know how to describe it. I don't know how it kind of took off. I mean, it took two years to take off, but it's fucking massive now. But yeah, it's it's weird and interesting and definitely worth playing. Um, but it's something that I, I must admit, I don't play on my own. I wouldn't pick up my phone or tablet now and play it. I'd only play it when she's here. So it hasn't kind of yeah. gripped me that much. Sounds good. No, it's, um, so, it's definitely, yeah. <laughs> um, I will get around to playing it at some point, but I know if, if it's that kind of game, some games just sort of grip me and then I'll just be obsessed with it and I won't stop playing it. And I'm trying to finish off some other bits at the moment. So it's one of the reasons I haven't loaded up yet. Yeah. I mean, I've got a friend who I used to work with. He's in his late twenties, early thirties. And, um, Apparently, every Saturday night, he gets together with mates and they play like a, a clan, I guess. I don't know. Because you can set up a game. My daughter quite often sets up a game so we can be in the same game together. And th- they play it on a Saturday night. It's like a regular thing they do. So, I don't know. It's, it's the social interaction as well, I yeah, guess. I yeah, think. definitely. Because people are obviously craving now at the moment, aren't they? People who aren't introverts like myself as such obviously social interaction is missing from a lot of um, (laughs) people so yeah fair play I mean obviously the game's clearly popular it seems to be hitting all the right marks so I'm sure the developers are you know loving it at the moment to see their recognition yeah in a sloth or in a sloth depending on how you want to say it it's the uh, developers but yeah they're probably laughing right now from something that was you know probably pretty much made in about five minutes by the looks of the graphics. I'm sure there's more went into it than that, but I mean, it's not graphically challenging, <laughs> let's be honest. But it certainly works. Good to hear. So, I've got a game. Um, I'm going to be honest, I didn't finish it last year. I actually went back to it earlier this week and it reminded me how much I liked it. I literally just finished it off. Um, and it's a game, I think it might come out in 2019, if yeah, it was 2019, I think. It's called A Plague Tale Innocence. And it's not quite a survival horror. It's a very narrative-driven, very well-told um, story game. And it comes from a developer called Asobo Studios, I'm probably saying that wrong, who were established in 2002. <laughs> and their resume is actually quite interesting because they started off making like the kind of movie tie-in games. So they've got like on their resume, they've got things like Ratatouille, Wally, Up, you know, all the Disney Pixar tie-in games. They did Toy Story 3, which I remember playing back when we both worked in Game Station. And I actually thought that was a bloody good platform and, and a really cool sandbox mode to it. They've also worked on games like The Crew for Ubisoft. They worked on Quantum Break for Microsoft, which is a fucking good Xbox exclusive. Something you'll love. They worked on Young Conquer for HoloLens. Yeah. And now they've obviously come and sort of done their own thing with A Plague Tale Innocence. And it's set during the Hundred Year War. And you play a character called Amicia Derun. And your family, it starts off really nice and picturesque. Um, You're in a nice, you know, posh family. You've got a nice estate. And then suddenly they're attacked by the English, I believe it is. And they, I know, bloody Bloody English English. bastards. (laughs) Um, And they murder your family and you escape with your little brother who's got a strange sickness. So you need to sort of like avoid the Inquisition and just basically try and keep your brother alive and try and find him a cure. But there's like this dark, um, almost corruption, like a plague coming into the land as well. And there's like swarms of rats. And it's not particularly hardcore action. All you've got is a sling, um, which you can load up with like rocks, or you can like have little like fire ammo and water ammo because the rats are averse to light. So if there's like a fire ahead or like some torches and stuff, you need to light them up to make it safe for you to pass. Or you can turn the light to your advantage. You can shut off people's torches and have the rats attack guards, keep them distracted so you can sneak around. Um, it's not overly taxing. It's quite a relaxing game. It's the story that really gripped me. It was so good. I thought it was going to annoy me because you play um, Amicia, who's I think like a teenager and her little 
brother and just speaking um or from experience with things like the goonies i know that when kids are at the forefront of something it can either be done really well or it can just be too overwhelming and they all just like they're too shouty and they're too annoying but this is actually done really well and it's really great voice acting really nice visuals and really picturesque areas and it's very linear you just kind of follow a set path you have to solve puzzles that aren't overly complicated um they won't take much head scratching to figure out the best parts are using the light to manipulate where the rats are going and to sort of like either sneak around or find ways to get past the guards and the inquisition but yeah it was just a really nice relaxing interesting game to play and i know it um got good praise it's very been very popular i played it because it came out on game pass i didn't play it when it first came out game pass is obviously awesome most things end up on there eventually yeah very good game pass um yeah, so yeah so that's that, so that's yeah, on, it's the available xbox. on pc xbox and playstation i've just been playing it on the xbox because i say it appeared on game pass and i played the majority of it last year and for some reason i just didn't finish it i moved on to something else and i went back to it um a couple of days ago just to finish it off and i remembered like how much i like it so i thought i'm gonna mention that in my uh in our podcast this week because it's definitely worth checking out if you haven't already yeah it sounds interesting also i like the fact that you say it's linear because i find sometimes sandbox games are really good don't get me wrong but you just get sidetracked and you never end up achieving anything like I kind of like games sometimes that are set out and there's a set path and you know what you've got to do. It just makes it a lot Definitely. easier. I think that's one of the reasons I went looking to play something else because I've been balls deep in Assassin's Creed Valhalla since it came out. I'm well over 100 hours into it and I'm enjoying it. It's a very good game. I'm one of the best Assassin's Creed's I've played in a long time. But again, it's just sometimes a bit overwhelming. These massive open worlds, sometimes you want something you can just pick up and you know, pretty much you're going in a straight line and they're a bit more manageable yeah yeah totally i mean i love the gta games and i got quite into red dead redemption but you just get sidetracked and you end up you start a mission but then you think i'm just going to shoot this bastard here i'm going to do this and then you end up fucking you know doing something completely different and you forget what the original mission was sometimes it's nice to have that kind of grounded this is what you do this is how you do it sort of thing. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a very it's a very good game. And again, where it's narrative driven, you know, you can just do like the chapters. Some chapters are really short. They take about five, ten minutes. They're mainly just conversations and a bit of walking around and picking stuff up. And other ones are a bit longer. So you can play it in chunks and just do a bit like a TV episode. You can play like half an hour, 45 minutes, put it down and come back and do the next chapter. And it breaks things up nicely just because... It is so story and character driven it it feels less like a game and more like an interactive episode or something oh yeah very good anything else for you to uh grace us with this week or should we call it a day uh no i've got nothing else bread roll i've, I've managed to come up with uh, a game and a film this yeah, week yeah. be proud it's, of actually, me. it's quite interesting <laughs> I think I think I've got one for oh, next yeah. week as well. <laughs> it's quite interesting because you mentioned I bring up the more obscure might... movies, but you always bring up the more obscure music, so we kind of cover things quite nicely that way. I think next week I might get a bit more mainstream with my music, but we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I'll try and find like a really mainstream movie that some of the stars Margot Robbie just to shock you. <laughs> <laughs> She's doing yeah, quite a few things. I'm sure you'll find something. (laughs) Well then, in that case, we hope you've enjoyed listening. And if you do like any of the things we've suggested, let us know. If you've seen any of them or heard any of them before, then let us know your thoughts, if you're a fan or maybe not. And of course, let us know anything that you you think we should check out. Did you find any new shows or check out any new movies during lockdown last year? Get hold of us on Twitter or drop us an email. Uh, hyperbarrickgoats at gmail.com or you can find us at hyperbarrickgoats on Twitter and we will respond to any messages that we get or we try to anyway we try, we do try but yeah please recommend because I've just smashed out season 3 of Cobra Kai and I've got you know a few things on the radar but nothing really in my head to watch next so I'm open to suggestions Ooh. shall we say as long as it's not more than or oh, one an hour and a half <laughs> yeah. long, otherwise I won't watch it. You've got to keep it uh, 
manageable for JT. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, indeed. <laughs> I'm getting old. <laughs> so as always, thank you very much for joining us. For our regular listeners, anyone checking us out for the first time, we do appreciate everyone who has a listen and we hope you, know, you can handle us waffling on. More importantly, though, we hope that during this obviously new <laughs> lockdown and wherever you are in the world and whatever your situation is, we hope you're staying safe, staying indoors and staying healthy. Couldn't say it better myself, bread roll. And just to uh, finish off, I used to think my life was a tragedy, but now I realise it's a fucking comedy. <laughs>